So neither of us have as good of a voice as a Deem the Artist last week, so there won't be any singing unless, uh, Brenna, you want to volunteer. But we will be talking about slinging, the slinging of beer, beer at Neyland Stadium. It's been a hot topic recently. The city has uh, waged a war against Aramark, uh, the vendor over there at the stadium. They're also the vendor at the arena, but this is specifically about Neyland. After three underage sales happened during the 2022 season, and um, if that wasn't enough, I mean, that would have been enough to get permits possibly suspended, but the city is taking it a step further to say, hey, Neyland Stadium is just rowdy, and beer has a lot to do with it. And so the idea has been floated to possibly get rid of beer permits at Neyland Stadium altogether, and you can imagine the response has been uh, it's been heavy. There's been a lot of responses, and um, some on both sides of it. So we're going to talk about both sides of it, but really want to focus today on possible solutions on how beer can possibly continue at Neyland Stadium while still making sure that it's served in a responsible way. I'm Ryan Willis, downtown reporter at Knox News and co-host of the Scruffy Stuff podcast. And I'm Brenna McDermott, growth and development editor at Knox News. And also co-host of the Scruffy Stuff podcast, a podcast about all the news happening in and around downtown Knoxville. Presented by KnoxNews.com, where you can find everything we discuss here on this fine show and a whole lot more. Knox News relies on support from readers and listeners to provide you compelling stories from Knoxville and across East Tennessee. Subscribers get an all-access pass to all of our premium, exclusive content. And to become a subscriber, it's easy. Just visit knoxnews.com slash subscribe, see our latest offer, and sign up today. Now, next time you're at Neyland Stadium, I want you to do two things. It's going to require a little bit of walking, but I think it'll be worth it. One, take a walk in the blocks around Neyland Stadium. And uh, yes, we see it all the time, the vol walk, the kids on parents' shoulders, and the cheering, and the face paint, and the little pom-poms, little girls with little pom-poms. Oh, it's so cute. Family-friendly event. But there's also the other side of it. If you just take a walk around those blocks, like I said, you will see the keg stands, you will see the beer pong, the flip cup, whatever games they're playing these days. It's drinking and college game day, they just go together. And after the game's over, I encourage you to take a walk around some of the empty rows in Neyland Stadium and just look and see what's on the ground. Probably a lot of popcorn, also probably a lot of airplane bottles. And so this has been happening for as long as anyone who's alive right now probably can remember. Boozing's going to happen at Neyland Stadium with or without beer sales. Right. And I think this city, if they don't know it, then I think that's a problem. I mean, they have to know. I mean, just look at the numbers. And that's one thing that we tried to do. Because if you look at the numbers on the surface level, yes, there were more incidents of rowdiness in 2022 than there were in previous years. But look at those numbers with some context and consider how the team's doing. Look at those numbers and consider the total population and capacity of games. And if you look at it, 2019, when alcohol was first allowed in Neyland Stadium, the number of rowdy incidents actually went down per 100,000 people. If you look at the actual rate, the next year after that, it was roughly the same number. And sure, there were more in 2022, but there were a lot that happened before alcohol was even allowed in the stadium. And a lot of those incidents of rowdiness were public intoxications. How did that happen if there was no alcohol for sale at Neyland Stadium? I wonder. It's because the same thing you see walking around the blocks at Neyland Stadium today, you saw back then in the four years that we looked at prior to when alcohol sales were allowed. That does not mean, however, 
that you should just sell alcohol to minors and just not and, and overserve people or, or you know that Aramark should not have any responsibility for the way that they serve their alcohol because they should. However, there's 160 points of sale in that stadium on any given game day, and it's being treated the exact same way that you would treat a bar in downtown Knoxville. Even a Scott West West Family Bar has what six maybe bars within any one given establishment, not 160. And so, what's the solution? I don't think the solution is to is to treat Neyland Stadium like a Knox Brew Hub or a Clancy's or any other place downtown Knoxville. Also, don't think the solution is just to turn your cheek and not and not address the issue that's at hand. So, what are the steps, Brenda? You think could be taken to get this to a place where it's safe and also where it can continue in a responsible way? Ryan, I wish the city council and the beer board would have consulted me before this whole process began because I could have shared with them one of my top three life philosophies. In life, there are problems that you solve. And there are problems that you manage. I love that. Underage beer sales at a venue that holds more than 100,000 fans is a problem that you manage. And I think there are ways that all the entities in this kerfuffle can come together and come up with some solutions for how do we manage underage beer sales, make sure it's safe for everyone, make sure the environment is friendly and welcoming to everyone but not throw the baby out with the bathwater. yeah and to give credit on both sides for one the city is doing what it's been told to do by city code that after there are three incidents at a bar it has to go to a suspension or a uh, hearing to possibly revoke permits however the city is taking that step further to say actually we think Neyland's Dame is just rowdy and we should uh, it should be considered to just get rid of their permits altogether but to give them the credit, they are following the rules. To give Aramark their credit, every time that there has been an incident, it seems like they have gone back to the drawing board and figured out a way to address it. One of the underage incidents that happened, happened at a Florida game where the card readers did not work as they were designed. They were offline. And so an underage sale happened that they attributed to that. Um, in their remedial plan, they found, uh, they found a way to upgrade the technology so those now work offline. And so there are steps that are being taken. Um, and not just saying that every time you get in trouble, you just say, oh, well, I'm trying harder. Uh, but it's, you know, it seems like they're taking it serious. I mean, maybe they're taking it serious because they're being told they have to take it serious, but they're doing what they need to do. Um, there are other solutions out there, other ways that you possibly could go about selling alcohol. Um, I'm going to start with one that not necessarily applies here, but maybe get the, the, the thoughts flowing a little bit about some outside the box ways that you can go about it. I was recently at uh, Charlotte Hornets Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina for, um, I guess it was actually a year ago now, a concert there. I went there, showed my ID at a turnstile, scanned it, I believe, scanned my debit card, walked through the turnstile into a blocked off area where there were just shelves of food, snacks, beer, whatever you wanted. You just grabbed it off the shelf, walked out the other door, facial recognition, recognized what you grabbed, charged your card, and that was it didn't need volunteers all over the arena, just needed one person to check the ID, and you went in there and took care of it yourself. So you couldn't have walked out with the beer had you, you been underage. Right, right. That's cool. And so, you know, so now we're getting the ideas flown a little bit. Something else that I've seen places has been the wristband system. You go to music festivals, this is the place I've seen it the most. You show your ID once, 
to a person that you're trying to order beer from. They check it, give you a wristband. You then do not have to go show your ID anywhere else. And so perhaps there is somebody that has extra training to really know how to check IDs that provides these wristbands. And then once you have your wristband, you take it to that next level. You go up to the concession stand. Maybe those people, by the way, are just waiting at the gates. That's how they actually do it at Smoky Stadium and Kodak. You do it before you even get to the concession area. Then you go to the concession area, show your wristband, and they ask for your ID again. And understand that these are volunteers that might not meet the same standards of training as the person that's right inside the gate. If they mess up, well, they've already been checked once by somebody with that training. They've already been given that wristband. You know, that's the the mess up has already happened and you know, you can't really put all the blame on the volunteers at that point. That's one idea. Well, I'm glad you brought up volunteers because I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine enjoying pouring beers for a hundred thousand people at Neyland Stadium and I'm a volunteer. Right. Yeah, it sounds I mean, it's hard enough just to get in there, find your seat, sit down and enjoy the game. Uh, to have the extra added uh, responsibility of serving hot dogs and food and popcorn and beer on top of that in that loud environment, that hectic environment, people are all fired up. Uh, like we mentioned, people have been drinking all day too. Um, even if you're just volunteering to serve hot dogs, you're having to deal with these people that have been drinking all day. It's got to be uh, an extremely stressful situation. Again, not to point the blame at the volunteers, but maybe to point the blame at the system. And maybe there are other ways to get around that. Yeah, I think... If you are a volunteer who's going to be pouring beer, you deserve better or more training than somebody who's slinging hot dogs is getting. Uh, you deserve more support. And this, by the way, this is a problem that happens at venues all over the country. And I'm sure there are many volunteers in many of those places. I'm sure some of them are also minimum wage workers who maybe don't have a lot invested in trying hard when it comes to checking IDs. Right. So I think there could be more accountability and support for the people who are actually standing behind the counter and are looking at a line that's 60 people deep and trying to make split-second stressful decisions in the moment. I think it's unfair for Aramark or those people standing behind the counter to be held responsible for what you or I drank before we even walked into the stadium. So maybe there's more accountability of, hey, we're going to better monitor, more strongly monitor are you swaying before you even step foot inside Neyland Stadium? Maybe we're stricter about who we let into the game to make it a safer, more pleasant environment for everyone inside. Right. And some other options I have seen floated out there. I mean, you know, a, a, a beer selling area where you buy the beer and consume the beer in that spot. You don't go back to your seat. Maybe it's a nicer area like a lounge that would encourage people to maybe stick around um, the thing I do worry about with that is if you, you know, maybe the, I was gonna say maybe the pitch chugging. is that, chugging. Yeah. I was gonna say maybe the pitch is that it's shorter lines because nobody wants to hang out in there and, 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 you know, watch the game. They want to get their beer and go back to their seats. But, um, yeah, then you run into the chugging problem, but the chugging problem is not as big of a problem, I think as, uh, and how do you get over this? I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's a reason they do it, but the size of those beers, I don't want to sound like I'm being a party pooper, but like those are big cans, right? I mean, if you're trained to be able, like you were saying, to be able to identify when somebody has had too much to drink, the difference between being sober, buzzed and drunk could just be the difference between two beers. And when you're drinking a beer that is the size of two beers, they might even be bigger. And you go up and you order your beer and everything seems fine. 
and then you consume two and a half beers at your seat, that might be what puts you over the edge. So even if you're doing everything you can to identify how much somebody's had to drink, those large beers could be what puts them over the edge and gets them to that state where there's going to be perhaps some issues that they don't know how to handle it. The option, perhaps, you lower it down to a normal beer size, but I know why they don't do it, because in that case, that just means people are going to be coming to the line twice as much, and that's going to be a problem, too. You already have 160 points of sale in there, and they're already, uh, you know, you're already waiting in line for a while to get a beer, so... That's an issue, but it could also, you know, help with the other issue of handing off drinks. I mean, if you're only allowed to buy one drink at a time and it's a small one, you'll be less likely to share with somebody that perhaps shouldn't be drinking. Um, you know, people get selfish when all they have is a little beer left, and so that could be a potential fix there. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's for every plus, there seems like there's a negative for any solution that you come up with, and you got to weigh those out. And I think you have to be logical about. Should a venue the size of Neyland Stadium be held to the same standard as a Knox Brew Hub or a Scruffy City Hall? It doesn't make sense. Whether you're for drinking beer or against it, I think the University of Tennessee, the city of Knoxville, the SEC, the state of Tennessee, can't we all come together and figure out what is a different, better way that we can hold stadium vendors accountable for making sure they're selling responsibly but not holding them to the standards of a locally owned bar right yeah i mean the three incidents within a two-year period at any bar is required is required then that you go to a suspension hearing three incidents at neyland stadium it's like three incidents at 160 bars and so um Yes, there needs to be some sort of higher standard. And this is something I think that honestly should have been considered before alcohol was even approved because now you're running. What makes this issue so difficult is that there are rules on the books that Neyland Stadium is to be treated like any other bar and that they are only allowed to have three violations before something like this happens. And to give them an exception, I feel like, you know, the city's doing their due diligence and they perhaps they um, feel like they can't really just turn their head on this one because it's what happened happened. Um, Airmark actually came up and, and admitted that they had this third incident. Um, they were at, I think, Beer Board for their second incident. And when they came to present their case, they said, actually, over the weekend, we had a third. And that's when they moved them ahead to this hearing. But, um, yeah, there needs to be some other kind of permit. What's in that permit, I don't know. But there's, you know, when you apply for a permit, when you have a certain capacity, perhaps there are different standards that, that are applied to you. I mean, 100,000 people is just insane um, to be able to, you know, face the same uh, rules and, and potential uh, outcomes that a, that a regular, ordinary bar downtown does. This is a logical extension of many things in our lives. You know, the building code for a single-family home is different than a skyscraper. That seems like common sense. So I, I think beer sales at Neyland is an economic driver now. It's a cultural driver as... You know, UT football is such a critical part of our culture here in Knoxville. It's a quality of life issue. I think we've got to come up with a, a solution that's not just get rid of it. And I think one important thing to to consider, and I don't know if the city is considering it, and probably it's not their place to consider it, but just all the conversation around Tennessee football right now. Um, I think Coach Josh Heupel has done a great job uh, you look back at the Pruitt years, 
you know, not being allowed at practices, very boring. Players never talk. That didn't seem like a necessarily a fun place to play football. Now you got Heupel in charge. People are excited. It's the NIL era. You see athletes, you know, making a name for themselves and making money for it. The team's winning. The stadium's packed. And you're going to take beer away? I mean, there's the, the beer. And for the people that are in the comments, I see you. You know, if you have to have beer at a football game to have fun, then there's something wrong with you. Nobody has to. But it's like one of those extra things. You know, football players don't have to have fun to play at the University of Tennessee, but Josh Heupel wants to because it's all part of that experience. You don't have to, you know, there's there's all these things around the Tennessee football program that is making this a program and a, making the city a place where people are interested in. That visual just of the, of the fans storming the field during that Alabama game, all eyes around the country were on that moment. And at the end of the day, let's say you don't give a crap about UT football. Do you care about Garth Brooks? Do you right. care about Elton John? Do you care about the biggest musical acts in the country coming to Neyland Stadium? They're not coming without beer. Right. I mean, yeah, and, and and Mayor Glenn Jacobs, he's at the county level, so doesn't really have his hand in this, you know, doesn't really have any say in this too much, but he was the first public official to really come out and say something about this. We haven't heard from the city. We haven't heard from the university. And he mentions that Garth Brooks concert, that Garth Brooks would not have been here had it not been for beer. I don't know if he taught the Garth himself or how he knows that. But, I mean, you talk to anybody in the industry, and just being able to offer beer is huge. I mean, we saw it more with Thompson Bowling Arena, um, which Aramark is also uh, the beer vendor over there. This is only an issue about Neyland Stadium. Um, but there's that part of it. And if you look back at the Garth Brooks concert, there actually were a bunch of underage incidents. They were working it out there. I'll, I'll give them their credit. This is the first time they served alcohol was in 2019. And you look again at the numbers and i'm just going to end with this unless you have more to add but i really encourage you to go look at the numbers and the story that i wrote over at knoxnews.com about these incidents because yes there were a bunch of incidents at garth brooks there were a bunch of incidents in 2022 they've been happening forever and the first two years without alcohol they actually went down so there's got to be i mean let's just look at the numbers and let's look at really the impact it has on the whole city when you think about knoxville being put on the map right now more than it ever has related to football in recent memory. And you know, CBS Sports, national sports outlets are writing about this Neyland Stadium uh, alcohol issue. And it's not a good look. It makes it, it, makes it look really petty. Um, and I don't think that that's a good look for a team in a city that's got so much momentum going for it right now, thanks to Tennessee football. I'll leave it on a high note. I think... The University of Tennessee, the city of Knoxville, Aramark, have an opportunity here to reimagine how we serve beer in a stadium safely and set the standard for not only other stadiums in the SEC, but all across college athletics, professional athletics. But it's about coming to the table together and figuring out how do we do this responsibly instead of pointing fingers or assigning blame. So a real opportunity here. I hope all of the parties take advantage of it. I hope so too. Now I do want to end actually with one more thing. And that is if you had to put your money down on whether or not there's going to be, and I know that there's a possibility for it just to be a three game suspension. Alcohol is normal or no alcohol at all. But do you think let's start with just whether or not there'll be alcohol either for three games or all year. Do you think there's going to be alcohol at Neyland Stadium next year in any capacity. A resounding yes. Okay, I will agree with you on that. Resounding yes. Now, do you think there's going to be a suspension at all? And the suspension they're looking at is for a minimum of three games. I think this is going to find a different resolution that does not involve a three-game 
beer suspension. And that is where I'm going to disagree. Um, I think there is going to be a three-game suspension. However, I don't think the three-game suspension is going to be something that really um, impacts Aramark in the long run. I don't think the three-game suspension is even necessarily going to be a a what the city even wants to do at the end of the day if they have these conversations. Because I think I have to think that they're realizing, you know, they've had to have heard the feedback from people that this seems a little silly to some from the outside for the city to be taking on something like this. Um, but I think they're in so far and they're in so deep with this one right now that just to get their message across, I think there will be a three game suspension um, just because I mean, to go through all this and then just say, actually, never mind. We're just not going to, we're just going to look the other way. We're, we're just kidding. J- JK, I just don't see that happening. I think that there's going to be something punitive that doesn't have that big of an impact that sets up for moving forward, um, looking at things a different way. Maybe just a three-game ban on tall boys. Yeah, that would be that would be a <laughs> or Bud Light seltzers. Oh no, they, there'll be riots in the streets for if, if that happens. So um, no, that's that's what we wanted to talk about, and obviously this has been a topic of conversation for a long time, and we've seen you in the comments, and we've received your emails. But if you want to add more to the conversation, there is a way to do that. Join us in our free Urban Knoxville Facebook group. All you have to do to get signed up is answer a few quick questions and we post stories and discussions in that group all the time yes there's going to be a link for that in the uh in the description of this podcast along with a link to the urban knoxville uh, newsletter which comes out every friday and while you're in the platform looking at those links whether it's spotify apple wherever you're listening go ahead and leave a review a five-star one if you would and tell us what you like about the show and what you'd like to hear us talk about next we love hearing the feedback and suggestions and i also love hearing from you directly too so if you'd like to give me a follow and follow along with my work you can do that at knox scruff on instagram and as always the scruffy stuff has been presented by knox news and remember While we appreciate your support here on the Scruffy Stuff, you can support local journalism one step further by visiting knoxnews.com slash subscribe, seeing our latest offers, and signing up today. Thanks for listening, and we will be back, as always, next week.